Hello and welcome to another episode of Escapodacy, the podcast about travel and adventure with me, Jeff Spink. And me, Don Spink. In this episode, we're visiting the fifth smallest country in the world. Any idea where that may be? While you're contemplating the answer, let's just remind you that we are at Escapodacy on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. On Facebook, you just need to go to facebook.com slash Our website is escapodacy.com. And you can email us. We'd love to hear from you. The address is adventures at escapodacy.com. So where are we in this episode? Well... If you've looked at the title, it sort of gives the game away. It's in fact the tiny republic of San Marino. Given that it is a micro-state, this is something of a micro-episode. We spent the day there just because it was nearby and we couldn't resist. My friend, the broadcaster Andy Kershaw, likes to visit what he calls potty republics. Well, San Marino isn't that crazy. It's just one of those geopolitical anomalies that shouldn't by rights exist at all. In fact, it is the world's oldest existing sovereign state and its oldest constitutional republic. Here are some fun facts about San Marino which will run past you while we make our way up the motorway from our base in Le Marche, northeastern Italy, to this hilltop republic. San Marino was named after Saint Marinus, a stonemason from the island of Rab, which is now in present-day Croatia. Marinus was born in 275 AD and he participated in the rebuilding of the walls of the Adriatic city of nearby Rimini, which had been destroyed by marauding pirates. Marinus then founded an independent monastic community on Monte Titano in 301 AD. The tiny republic was enlarged in 1320 when the community of Chiesa Nuova joined and then in 1463, three further communities were added. The country's borders have changed little ever since. San Marino's independence was temporarily interrupted at the start of the 16th century, when the son of the Pope Alexander VI occupied it for six months. Clearly, a lack of celibacy was no preclusion to the papacy in those days. Alexander was succeeded by his son, Pope Julius II, who intervened and restored San Marino's borders. The nephew of another Pope, Julius III, attempted to conquer San Marino, but his army became lost in dense fog. Since this happened on June 4th, the feast day of St. Quirinus, the San Marinese decided that Quirinus had protected their tiny country. In the 17th century, a time when the Papal States were in the ascendancy in that part of Italy, San Marino became an enclave within the papal lands, just as it is entirely surrounded by Italian territory today. While San Marino sought and obtained the protection of the papal states, it was never controlled from Rome. In the mid-18th century, a papal governor briefly occupied San Marino from October 1739 until February 1740, when independence was again restored by Pope Clement XII. Since this papal intervention took place on February 5th, the feast day of St. Agatha, she became the Republic's 
patron saint. The next historical threat on the horizon came from Napoleon. However, one of San Marino's captains regent, an office elected to rule for six months together with a fellow regent, managed to establish friendly relations with the French. Emperor Napoleon wrote a letter in which he promised to guarantee and protect the independence of San Marino, something which was out of character for the power-hungry French imperialist, to say the least. Napoleon even offered to extend San Marino's borders to the coast. The wise San Marinese declined, fearing retaliation somewhere down the line. In the mid-19th century, San Marino became something of a refuge for the proponents, including Giuseppe Garibaldi and his wife Anita, of Italian unification, a period that the Italians call Il Risorgimento. As a result of backing the right horse again, Garibaldi allowed San Marino to retain its independence and a formal convention of friendship was signed in 1862. San Marino conferred honorary citizenship on no lesser figure than the United States President Abraham Lincoln. In his reply, Lincoln said, Government founded on Republican principles is capable of being so administered as to be secure and enduring. Yet again, this pint-sized country made some very powerful friends. During World War I, San Marino decided to remain neutral, which didn't go down too well with the Italian authorities who suspected that it would become a haven for Austrian spies. Nonetheless, two small groups of volunteers helped Italy, both militarily and as field hospital medics, something which caused Austria-Hungary to suspend diplomatic relations. Economic depression in the 1920s led to tension between those with and those without capital, and the money owners soon organised a San Marino fascist party, as an equivalent to Italy's fascist party, with support from Benito Mussolini. The Partita Fascista San Marinese held power from 1923 until 1943. Neutrality was again adopted during World War II, but the New York Times wrongly reported that San Marino had declared war on the United Kingdom on September 17, 1940. The Republic swiftly transmitted a message to London informing the British government that no such thing had happened. PFS rule collapsed in 1943, three days after the fall of fascism in Italy. The PFS briefly returned to power in 1944, but made sure the country retained its neutrality. In June 1944, the RAF decided to bomb San Marino in the mistaken belief that it had become overrun by German forces, which were using the Republic to store supplies and ammunition. Again, a swift declaration was made to the government in London that the territory was not being used by any belligerent forces. In September 1944, San Marino was briefly occupied by German forces, who were then defeated by Allied forces in the Battle of San Marino. In the post-war era, San Marino had the world's first democratically elected communist government. The Communist Party was in coalition with the Socialists between 1945 and 1957. The country became a member of the Council of Europe in 1988 and of the United Nations in 1992, 
Although it's not a member of the EU, its currency is the euro. In June 2020, San Marino had the highest death rate caused by COVID-19. And, frustrated by the slow rollout of vaccines in the EU, he decided to take the Russian Sputnik vaccine instead. At the 2020 Summer Olympics, which actually took place in 2021 because of COVID, San Marino became the smallest country to earn an Olympic medal when Alessandra Ferreri took bronze in the women's trap. This was followed by a silver medal in the mixed trap shooting event with Ferreri joined by her teammate Gian Marco Berti. When Vladimir Putin launched his special military operation against Ukraine in February 2022, San Marino stood shoulder to shoulder with the big guys and was named by Russia as a country that it considered unfriendly alongside the United States and members of the European Union. In August 2022, just 16 days after our visit, San Marino voted to legalize abortion, one of the last European countries to do so. Well, that's brought us up to date on the history. What else do you know about San Marino? Geographically, and there will be a map on our website, escapodacy.com, it's sandwiched between Emilia-Romagna to the north and La Marque to the south. It's just 10 kilometers from the coast. Its topography is almost entirely hilly, and it sits within the Apennine mountain range. The highest point is Monte Titano, which rises to 749 meters, which is just short of 2,500 feet. It's one of the only three countries in the world to be entirely surrounded by another. Do you know what the others are? One of them must be Vatican City, and the other, I think, is Lesotho in southern Africa. It's actually the third smallest country in Europe, after the Vatican City and Monaco. Its climate varies between warm and very hot in the summer with cool winters. It gets its fair share of snow in the winter months. Politically, San Marino elects two captains regent, who both serve six months concurrent terms of office. They are heads of government and heads of state. The government exercises executive power, while the Grand and General Council exercises legislative power. The judiciary is independent of both. The captains regent are elected by the Grand and General Council and are from opposing parties, ensuring a balance of power. Some of San Marino's larger and more powerful friends may wish to take note of this amicable power-sharing arrangement. This system of captains regent, serving six-month terms, comes directly from the Roman Republic. The Grand and General Council is the equivalent of the Roman Senate, and the captains regent are equivalent to ancient Rome's consuls. In October 2007, Mirko Tomassoni was elected as captain regent, making him the first disabled person to be elected to that office. San Marino has had more female heads of state than any other country, 15, including three who served twice. On the 1st of April last year, Paolo Rondelli was elected as captain regent, making him the world's first openly gay head of state. Although San Marino's external frontiers are guaranteed and defended by Italy, it has a small military force, including a crossbow corps, which is comprised of 80 volunteers, whose function is now ceremonial. The uniform is still medieval, and the corps puts on crossbow displays. So, how does San Marino make a living? Its standard of living is broadly comparable to neighboring Italy. Key industries are banking, electronics, and ceramics. 
In agricultural terms, the main products are wine and cheese. So what's not to like about that? Its own version of Euro coins, and more so its own stamps, are highly prized by collectors. Some estimates say that stamps account for 10% of San Marino's revenue, and the government has a minister whose title is Secretary of State for Finance, the Budget, Planning, Information and Relations with the Autonomous Philatelic and Numismatic Company. So basically Minister for Stamps. San Marino has the world's highest rate of car ownership. It's one of two countries where there are actually more vehicles than people. The other one is another of those geopolitical anomalies, Andorra. And like many such places, San Marino is something of a tax haven, having much lower taxes than surrounding Italy. Consequently, many wealthy Italians choose to base themselves there. Such countries seem to have a useful purpose as a sort of economic back channel. The UK has the Channel Islands, the Isle of Man, Gibraltar, and so on. France has Andorra and Monaco. And so the list goes on. Tourism contributes about a quarter of GDP, around 2 million tourists visit every year. In exchange for accepting certain limitations on economic activity, Italy pays San Marino an annual stipend, which is equivalent to 250 tons of sea salt, 40 tons of tobacco, 20 tons of cigarettes, and unlimited matches. Seems as though no one got the memo about smoking being bad for your health. When you cross the border, there are no formalities, but you can get your passport stamped at the tourist office. The only thing we noticed at our border crossing was that the road was extremely well surfaced on the San Marino side right up to the border. 33,000 people, plus another 5,000 foreigners, mostly Italian, live in the Republic. Another 12,000 or so San Marinese live abroad. Famous San Marinese include Antonio Onofri, 1759-1825, statesman, father of his country, the guy who cozied up to Napoleon. Little Tony, pop musician who apparently enjoyed success in Italy and the UK, though I can't say I've ever heard of him. Massimo Benini, a footballer who played for Juventus. Valentina Moneta, a singer who represented San Marino four times in the Eurovision Song Contest. Motorcycle Grand Prix champion Manuel Poggiali. Miles Nazem Amine, a Michigan-born Olympic bronze medal wrestler. Because of its origins as a monastic refuge for Christians fleeing Roman persecution, it's not surprising that San Marino is 97% Catholic. There has been a Jewish presence in San Marino for at least 600 years. Jews were permitted official protection by the government. During World War II, San Marino provided a haven for more than 100,000 Jews and other Italians, approximately 10 times the San Marinese population at the time, from Nazi persecution. Today, there's no railway in San Marino, but for a short period before World War II, it had a single narrow-gauge line which connected to the Italian rail network in Rimini. Because of the difficulties in accessing the capital city San Marino with its mountain-top location, the terminus station was planned to be located lower down, but was extended to reach the capital through a steep and winding track comprising many tunnels. An advanced system for its time, it was an electric railway, powered from overhead cables. It was well built, but was almost completely destroyed during World War II. Many facilities such as bridges, tunnels, and stations remain visible today. Debate continues on whether the line should be restored. Now if that was the UK, 
a bunch of almost exclusively male enthusiasts working weekends would have carried out the restoration work by now. San Marino's three towers, the ones on the flag and the coat of arms, are on the three peaks of Monte Titano. The oldest of these, Guaita, was constructed in the 11th century. It was still being used as a prison as recently as 1975. Chester in the 13th century and Matali in the 14th. If you look at our website, escapodacy.com, we'll put photos of the historic towers there and on our social feeds. In sport, San Marino's soccer team hasn't enjoyed the best of success, but it's a rather cobbled together squad of part-timers who take time out from being plumbers or farmers. They have won one match when they beat another pint-sized country, Liechtenstein, 1-0 in 2004. English football fans might do well to remember that in 1993, Davide Gualtieri scored against England only 8.3 seconds into the match. This was the fastest international goal until someone else broke the record in 2016. San Marino does have a club, ASDV San Marino, in the Italian league. Isn't there a Formula One San Marino Grand Prix? Well, yes and no. The so-called San Marino Grand Prix, which was actually held in Imola, about 100 kilometers northwest of San Marino. It hasn't been called that since 2007, although the circuit is still used and is now called the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix. The cuisine of San Marino is pretty similar to surrounding Italy, but do look out for a special cake, the Torta Trebonti, a wafer-layered cake covered in chocolate which depicts the three towers. The drive up to San Marino City is beautiful, taking in rolling hills and valleys, dotted with olive groves and vineyards. Eventually, you get to a point where you need to park the car, and then you take a cable car from the car park up to the historic center of San Marino. The Hilltop Fortified Historic Center is architecturally stunning. But there are perhaps too many businesses taking advantage of the captive audience, selling pizza, gelato, as well as perfume and jewellery. The latter are often a feature of tax haven microstates. You have to do a good deal of climbing up to the ramparts, but you are rewarded with breathtaking views over the surrounding countryside, east towards Rimini and the Adriatic coast, and west towards the Apennines. Our website and social feeds will have a selection of panoramic photos taken while a rather menacing storm was approaching. Later on, we almost got caught in the downpour. We were intrigued to see that San Marino has its very own vampire museum. Having a fascination for those spooky nighttime dwellers, I just couldn't resist. The Museo dei Vampiri is probably best described as boutique. As we walk into the museum, there are depictions of werewolf figures, one that looks like a mix of vampire and werewolf, the other of a werewolf having torn a man apart. As we go up to the first floor, we are greeted with a picture of a little girl that morphs from girl to vampire, as if our presence brings this out in her. This and two others can be seen on our website and social feeds. On each floor are cases of skulls, bones, and stories of werewolves and vampires, including the story of Elizabeth Bathory, the woman that practiced bathing in blood to retain youth. So many stories and depictions to lose yourself and make you feel you are in the presence of these creatures. 
When we emerged bleary-eyed from the underworld, as if on cue, the heavens opened. I just had time to record a short video about my impressions of this ancient city. So, first impressions of San Marino. Historical, medieval, renaissance, gorgeous. There's so many scenic routes and places to see here. It's unbelievable. What struck you the most? The castles, the, to the towers. They're gorgeous. Good for a day trip? Yes, definitely. And now it's starting to rain. But now it's starting to rain, so we better <laughs> run for cover. Yeah. <laughs> Was it worth the trip, do you think? Yes, if you're in the region and fancy something different for a day or two, or you just want to get your passport stamped, or if you're a stamp collector and want to add San Marino's unique contributions to flatly to your albums. That just about wraps things up for this episode. Remember, we're at Escapodacy on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. On Facebook, go to facebook.com slash You can find us on YouTube by typing in Escapodacy, which is spelled E-S-C-A-P-O-D-Y-S-S-E-Y. We'd love to hear about your adventures and escapes. Email us at adventures at escapodacy.com and visit our website, escapodacy.com, for more details about this and all of the shows. Next time, we'll be looking at a different type of escape, spas, and how they soothe both body and mind. In the meantime, thanks for listening, and remember, take the road less traveled, make your own adventures, don't be afraid of the unknown, remember to show kindness, live life to the full, have your feet on the ground, but your head in the clouds. Goodbye! Goodbye.